Hey everybody, here my conversation with Dustin Reed. We recorded on October 25th. We talked all about rates and developed markets, where we expect them to go, and how to position your portfolio to take advantage. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with our Chief Fixed Income Strategist, Dustin Reed. Dustin, the last time we spoke, it was just after the September FOMC meeting. Uh, and I can remember during our conversation, you were talking about uh, how you you sort of got the macro piece right, but markets didn't respond quite the same way, uh, particularly on the short end. Uh, it sounds like there's been a lot of movement since then. Maybe you can bring us up to speed. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me back. Uh, it's been uh, a very interesting few weeks here, and I think we'll have a very interesting few weeks going forward as we, uh, you know, as we uh, record this today. Particularly over the last couple of weeks, we've seen a really interesting um repricing, I would say, of uh, interest rate expectations globally, particularly within kind of the G5, 6, 7 uh, space for central banks. Um, what what has happened, without looking too much in the rearview mirror, uh, is that the Bank of England really started uh, getting things going. We, we talked a little bit about the idea of uh, energy uh, prices and the, and the energy complex moving higher, right. I think maybe the last... The last um, podcast. And a lot of that was coming out of Europe, particularly natural gas, particularly natural gas prices in the UK. Anyway, what's what's kind of mushroom is I'm sure everybody knows who's uh, looked at uh, a gas station or fill up their car if they're not electric uh, is that um, obviously gas prices have gone up significantly and oil prices have gone up. We're at, uh, I would say, seven or eight year highs on on spot oil, whether that's kind of the global benchmark Brent or, uh, or kind of the, the North American or at least the US benchmark WTI. And um, with along with that, which I wouldn't quite call a supply side shock, but it's definitely a, a big move. Uh, the front end of a lot of these curves have repriced. And now the market is expecting a lot of these central banks to move sooner rather than later. We don't think, um, at least you know, on the fixed income team, that all of these central banks will be seeing everything through the same looking glass. Um, the UK, uh, and particularly the Bank of England, obviously, is, is uh, probably one of the outliers, not the only outlier in our view. Uh, we, we think this, uh, and it's not, it's not rocket science, because the, the governor of, this, of, the, of the Bank of England, uh, the weekend before the one that just passed, essentially said that uh, the bank cannot afford to look through this energy price spike and inflation spike. And to be fair, inflation domestically in the UK was already rising uh, at a pretty significant rate, um, you know, at or above four percent, which is well above the UK target, the BOE's target. Yeah. Uh, but 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 the outlook looks uh, quite you know quite severe in terms of upside price gains, and um, the BOE, uh, the Bank of England, is is a single mandate central bank only, like like here in Canada, and uh, it was focused on focused on inflation or focused on prices. And it is, um, I, I would say, looking to uh, try and at least reset uh, inflation expectations. And that's the real issue, I think, across the globe here is, you know, 
this transitory inflation uh, picture story that we've we've talked about a lot on these podcasts this year have have are not are not that transitory. I mean, they are they are now you know they've been multiple quarters. They'll probably be with us for I would say again multiple quarters, if not two, three, or four, and it'll be elevated. And again, it's probably not going to run away higher. And you know, this is kind of what we've been saying for a long time, but not going to run away higher, but it is going to remain elevated. And, you know, I like to use the term level up. And uh, I think we're going to be kind of in this two and a half, three neighborhood for a while. And uh, frankly, even to get back there now, we need to need to see uh, inflation rates come lower off you know, three and a half, four, four and a half, five, depending on what country you're looking at. So the Bank of England uh, comment from the governor uh, a little while ago, about 10 days ago now, as, as we sit here recording, um, Really start, really sparked that front end move, and everyone thought, "Oh wow, if the UK is going to go, then I, then everybody else is going to go." And here we go. And you saw the front end, depending on the curves. And I won't go through every single one, but anything from really, you know, twenty five basis points to forty basis points, or even more, kind of on the on the two year on the two year space. And right. when you're starting at relatively low levels, I mean, that's a that's a big move. It's a big move anyway. But given kind of where you're starting from, it's a it's a very big move. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, the, the market as we sit here now has definitely come off of that a little bit. So, so the, uh, the, the, uh, I want to say euphoria, but you know, the, the very, very hot market that was, that was, that was very momentum based around that, that repricing or recalibration, it's probably not quite there, but it's definitely, the market is definitely suggesting that there are going to be, um, rate hikes sooner rather than later in the UK. Uh, you know, uh, in Europe with the ECB here in Canada, you know, the Fed obviously is is a very important one. We spent a lot of time on that for obvious reasons, um, and so those economies uh, and, and those central banks have seen you know significant significant repricing. Um, you know, we can go through some of the other countries, and I think I think it's probably worthwhile doing so. But the Bank of England to us again looks like. The outlier, um, the bank was already very low in the UK in terms of interest rates going into uh, you know the, the COVID uh, crisis. Right. And in in March of 2020, so March of last year, uh, the bank did a 15.15 basis point emergency cut in uh, in March of last year and got and took and took interest rates to 10 basis points. So I think what the bank's going to do when it meets uh, next week on the fourth, the Bank of England, is first thing I think they'll do is is uh, give back that emergency cut. Um, so it will uh, it will give back that fifteen basis points uh, and go back to twenty five. The market, just looking this morning, the market was about thirty basis points priced through the end of the year. So the market thinks that either a that that's not enough uh, or uh, that the that the bank that the uh, Bank of England could do uh, another hike before before the end of the year, and I think a lot of people are looking through the Bank of England lens as what might be a proxy for how the rest of the world works. I would I would caution against that. I would not I would not automatically say, oh, okay, this is what the UK is doing. Therefore, it, this is likely to happen in you know ABC and, and pick a spot. I think there is going to be some divergence here and we can, you know, we can easily talk about that, but let me, let me stop there for a sec. Sure. Uh, thanks for that, Dustin. That's a, a great summary. Um, and I guess maybe this is the, the question that, that you just alluded to and, and I'll ask it maybe a different way, but just correlation between central banks. I mean, we saw 
uh, clearly around COVID uh, collective action, similar to what we saw in the uh, financial crisis. Uh, it sounds like the market's expecting some, some sort of same collective action on uh, repricing to combat inflation. Uh, you're skeptical. Take us through where you think uh, that correlation breaks down, what uh, central banks you think will be hiking in line with uh, Bank of England, and just your thoughts around that. I mean, just to step back half a step for a sec, I think, you know, we're sitting here in 2021, and I think, I think central banks understand a lot more now than they did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And what we're coming out of from a crisis, from a crisis perspective, particularly with, you know, COVID is, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully a, a once in a lifetime uh, event, and it's been, you know, very severe. Sure. But we're seeing pretty significant things on the energy side, and obviously everyone knows the supply chain story as well. But on the energy side, you know, again, I would probably stop a little short of calling it a supply side shock, but it is definitely a, I would say, a supply side, uh, you know, disruption, and. Um, I think central banks know, most of them know, that central bank tools to try and uh, mitigate what might be happening on the back of a supply side shock is is not it's it's not the right tool out of the toolbox. It's not going to do a lot. It might do a little bit on the margin, right. but it's really you know you're grabbing a wrench when you need a hammer, and it's like yeah, I guess you can use the wrench and good luck with that. But it's not it's not the right tool out of the toolkit and. Central banks are, I don't want to say powerless, but they don't necessarily have the right tools to to do that. And I think that's where it gets interesting here, because I, I do think banks like the Fed, Bank Canada, ECB, uh, European Central Bank, that is, uh, are, you know, recognize that and don't want to start hiking rates at a point in the cycle that I would call extremely um, fragile. And uh, and I think this is where it gets extremely interesting. Now, the, now the UK, you know, for for whatever reason, is is going to do that. And there are many that think that doing so is a policy mistake, and it's going it's going to cause a problem in the UK. You're obviously starting from very low rates, ten basis points, and the UK continues to have its own quantitative easing program, and so it's still pumping money into the system like we've seen here and in the US, et cetera. Yeah. So it's not, it's, not, it's not like they're, they're disappearing completely, but at the same time, uh, the optics and the signaling is, is very important. So you know, let's start with the Fed, because I think it's the most important of all the central banks. I think that, you know, with the Fed, I think the Fed's going to uh, stay the course. I think that uh, we're on we're on track for tapering next week. Powell spoke a few days ago, and he essentially said, "You know, we're, we're ready to go." And I think you know there are a few people probably holding out for a December announcement um, by the Fed, but I, I think that almost everybody now is is expecting the Fed to taper uh, its its QE program next week. And I think that uh, so that'll be a very a very little a very minimal surprise. Uh, a little more two-way, which way is it going to go, is uh, how much and how quickly. But it looks like the Fed wants to wrap this up by mid next year. And uh, I think if the Fed does $15.15 billion a month um, and starts it in November, which I think it does have the runway to do if they announce it next week, just the way the dates fall with the... Uh, the, uh, the, announce, the announcement dates for various buybacks, etc. Um, I think it will... Uh, finish around mid-year, and that'll give and that'll give the Fed a little bit of a little bit more uh, space if it does want to hike rates before the end of next year. As obviously many people on the on the committee uh, do, um, 
you know, I, I think I think kind of the working assumption that I have anyway is that there's probably three months between the end of tapering and the beginning of hiking in the U.S. Okay. Um, and the risk, probably given how things are going, is that that compresses uh, as opposed to expands. Uh, so, but I don't think the Fed wants to go kind of bang bang and uh, end tapering and then begin <clears throat> hiking right away. Now, Powell did say something very interesting a few days ago when he spoke, and he was kind of the last person to speak before the Fed doesn't say anything uh, before the Fed meeting during its you know traditional ten day blackout. Uh, he did say something about the new inflation uh, framework targeting not really being appropriate during this, you know, these during what's happening right now, and particularly suggesting that you know supply side shocks are not really kind of how this works. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody in the press conference picks up on that next week and what and what the Fed may or may not may or may not say around that. Uh, I, I'm frankly not quite sure exactly what to make of of, of those comments. I'm not quite sure if he's suggesting that they could uh, hike while tapering or if it means that they're going to, to hold off a little bit. But I think there's maybe a little bit more, a little bit more of that story to go. But at, this, at the same time, I don't foresee the Fed changing its language or tune anytime soon. I think we're you know, going to stay steady while the Bank of England continues to, to um, you know, starts, starts hiking and you know, clearly is, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say a leader, but uh, at least for this, this, group, of, this group of banks, uh, you know, leading things. Um, in Canada, we have uh, a central bank meeting this week, which I think is, is also very important. It is a forecast meeting for the Bank of Canada, the last one of the year, the October meeting. Um, and I think it's I think it's probably one of the most interesting meetings of the year, frankly, for the bank here um, in many ways. Um, will will the bank dump its entire the rest of its quantitative easing program uh, and, uh, and and go to zero? Uh, very possible. I think there's a or will it will it only cut by a billion a week and go to one billion a week? Currently, they're doing two billion a week, and I think that uh, there's a real there's a real two way market on that whether the bank will uh, go all the way or not quite. But the reinvestment program, which is kind of the the next iteration of of QE, um, is is kind of where a, a lot of people are focusing. And Macklem, Governor Macklem, had a very interesting. Uh, speech or at least comments around uh, the reinvestment process early in September. And a lot of people think, as do I, that you can't make these speeches and, and say these things without actually following up, particularly, again, because it's it's a forecast meeting and it's the last one of the year. So I think there will be some more detail around how the Bank of Canada wants to do the reinvestment program. So this is basically all, all the bonds that they own that come due. What do you do with that money? You know, do you re how do you how do you reinvest it? Right. And obviously that's still money that's going into the system. So even if you're not buying, you know, even if you're not injecting fresh money, so to speak, you you are uh, recycling or reinvesting, you know, those those funds, those funds back in. So there is some still have your foot on the gas a little bit, so to speak, uh, even if you're not doing you know, outright quantitative easing. So that's that's obviously very interesting. And the market has priced in a lot uh, since we last spoke. The market for the Bank of Canada has uh, started to price in, I would say, half uh, or 50% of a problem of a 20, 50% of a 25 basis point hike in March, which is to me very early and basically has a full 25 basis point priced, uh, at the, uh, at the April meeting, um, and has about a hundred, maybe a little under a hundred, somewhere around 90 or maybe 95 basis points priced between now and the end of next year. And, uh, there are definitely some people that think that that is aggressive. And there are some people that think that that is, uh, absolutely, uh, very, very, very possible. So we're right at a crossroads here of um, 
how how these central banks are going to are going to do this. I mean, this is if the bank wants to think here, Bank Canada wants to push, you know, push back on the market and say, you know, too much, too quick. Uh, this the time is now. This is it, and uh, and we'll know and we'll know this week. Uh, my, you know, I think it's a tough call. But my guess is that the bank is probably not overly thrilled with. 95 or, or, or give or take basis points of market pricing through the end of next year. I think that is probably a little bit aggressive and I wouldn't be surprised if the bank tried to push back a little bit on, on that aggressive pricing, uh, particularly because I don't think it expects the output gap to close um, before the second half of 22. And I don't think that the bank wants to be hiking rates before the output gap uh, closes. And it, it, in fact, it has said so. That's great. Um, I'm, I'm curious on uh, Bank of Canada specifically, uh, but maybe it's a broader question as well. Uh, when we look at sort of smaller central banks uh, like Bank of Canada, how much does uh, the what the Fed do, does influence Bank of Canada's ability to raise rates? Uh, and is there some sort of correlation that that they're looking to obtain? Well, here obviously we have a very special relationship where Canadian, you know, Canada is a relatively small economy in, in a way, right? Obviously it's a G7 economy, but it's still a relatively small economy and it's a relatively open economy. And a lot of our, a lot of our GDP, uh, our gross domestic product is generated via exports, right? And, and the dollar, Canadian dollar matters a lot with respect to exports. And a lot of our exports, a good chunk of our exports obviously go to the US and at least before COVID, and I think still now, um, it's the largest, you know, reciprocal trading um, uh, relationship in the world, right? So the economies, I say all that because to state the obvious, the economies are tied. And generally speaking, cyclically from, you know, an economic cycle perspective, they, they rise and fall together because they are, you know, they are, they are tied and particularly we are, um, you know, tied to the U.S. consumer because a lot of our a lot of our goods get exported to the U.S. So, uh, you know, the bank the bank is obviously exceptionally aware of that. Sure. And um, but at the same time, the bank wants to be independent and is independent and should you know and should and should remain independent in terms of its decision making uh, properties and and policy. So the bank's rarely, if ever, going to say much about the Fed in terms of uh, acting as a, a proxy or a leader for its own rate hike or rate cutting uh, cycle. Um, but the reality is the Fed, to your question, the Fed is, uh, you know, very important in terms of uh, how the bank, uh, how the Bank Canada operates, operates here. And I don't think the bank, and that's another reason why I don't think the bank wants to necessarily start hiking uh, that early. Obviously, a lot of it depends on when the Fed starts going, you know, but I don't think the, the Bank of Canada wants to be more than, in my opinion, 50 basis points ahead of ahead of where uh, the Fed is uh, as this cycle goes, because I think that would start to have an impact on the Canadian dollar in terms of an appreciated Canadian dollar, and obviously could could crimp uh, exports here, which which I'm sure the Fed, I'm sure the Bank of Canada does not does not want to do. But I, but but all the central banks obviously. Not not only talk to each other, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people on secondment uh, between the central banks. I remember when I was at the Bank of Canada, we had uh, people seconded to uh, to the Fed and, and DC and some of the some of the district banks and the ECB, 
and it's reciprocal, of course. Um, and uh, and that happens. So that knowledge, that knowledge, and that that flow, that, that flow of knowledge, uh, institutional knowledge, you know, absolutely does get does get shared. But um, you know, all these all these central banks are supposed to be relatively independent in terms of their you know their their policy making, but it is a very special relationship here because the way the way the economies are tied together, and I, I, I'm I'm a pretty firm believer that the bank here, Bank Canada, does not want to be that far off uh, offside with with how the Fed's going, particularly if the bank here feels like it needs to uh, hike rates um, and 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 cause uh, an appreciation appreciating Canadian dollar. That's great. Um, I'm curious. We haven't talked about the ECB. We started with the, right. the Bank of England. Uh, what what dynamics are in play between either of those two banks, or what are you expecting from uh, the BCE? Do they follow Bank of England or or, uh, or chart their own course? So I think the ECB, who who also has a has a meeting this week on Thursday, uh, will also push back, and uh, the market market's pricing in about. Uh, Maybe ten basis points worth of hikes before the end of next year, uh, end of 2022, which doesn't sound like a lot and sounds like a long way away. But the ECB has really put a uh, line in the sand in terms of, uh, you know, we're not really hiking, probably not going to hike till 2024, uh, the way the the way the metrics work out, or at least very very late 23, but probably later. And uh, you know, so not dissimilar to some of the other pricing for central banks, the market has has probably got a bit aggressive. And you've seen uh, the chief economist, uh, executive board member uh, Timothy uh, Lane from. Uh, sorry, it's, uh, that's actually not his first name, but uh, Lane uh, from um, uh, from Ireland essentially say last week, "Look, this is this is way too far ahead. We're not even we're not even close to there." And I think that the bank, I think the ECB is going to push back this week. I think Lagarde's going to push back a bit this week. Acknowledging that the transitory inflation side is obviously uh, quite, um, you know, qu- quite, quite, quite significant in terms of, of of the price appreciation compared to where the ECB was six months ago, but at the same time that uh, the bank's in no rush, and uh, there's there's some chat chatter that the bank, the ECB is going to do another round of these long term uh, rate operations, uh, which are basically. Uh, fixed rate loans at the current deposit rate, which is negative 50 basis points, negative 50, uh, and give those to banks for, uh, you know, those ra- that, at that rate are lower for 12 or 18 months. And uh, that probably, it may or may not happen this week, probably not this week, but may do, may happen before the end of the year. But if it does, so not only does that provide obviously a lot of credit to banks at cheap rates with which those banks can obviously lend those back out in the economy, which is obviously what you know everyone's trying to do. But it's also a very powerful uh, signal, right, in terms of, well, if you're providing these rates at minus 50 basis points or lower for 12 or 18 months, are, you know, are you really going to be hiking rates when, you know, these are still coming due? And I, I get, you know, the, I guess the, the idea around the optics is, you know, no, uh, we're, you know, probably not, probably not going to do that. So, uh, hike rate, hike rates that that early that is. So there's some signaling, some some optics that are going, you know, going along with that as well. Um, but the, the ECB needs to wrap up its pandemic emergency purchase program and uh, kind of uh, switch over to the asset purchase, uh, the asset purchase program, which is the the standard uh, quantitative easing program that the banks had uh, on ongoing uh, 20 billion euros a month since before the pandemic. Uh, and kind of flip some of that uh, going on. By the way, there's probably going to be 
if the bank does do that uh, the long term uh, long term rate operation that I was speaking about before at minus fifty basis points, there's some talk that uh, could be uh, very uh, very there could be a lot of green uh, focus in terms of uh, how how to issue it. Right. Um, and so, and so it'll, it'll mandate that banks need to ensure that uh, X percentage of, of that, of those funds that they take need to be, uh, you know, used for, uh, for green projects. And obviously the, uh, obviously Europe is uh, from a, from a regional perspective, the leader in terms of issuing, uh, issuing uh, paper uh, that's, that's connected, uh, you know, to, uh, to the ESG, to the green space. And uh, it looks like, it looks like some of that's going to be, Happening, so it's probably going to be. It's interesting for us. I was talking about it this morning with our uh, with our team. It's probably, you know, if that if that does come together, that would mean a lot of opportunities for for green uh, green paper um, in, uh, in you know in, in Europe, denominated in, in in well, probably a lot of it in euros. But uh, it's it's a it would be another great opportunity to buy some, hopefully, some good quality uh, ESG paper uh, in the coming months or quarters. That's great. Uh, and maybe just final question for you, Dustin. Uh, what are you doing within the portfolio, given these sort of views? Uh, how, are, how are you positioning? For sure. No, that's great. And yeah, we should obviously chat about that. So, you know, it's it's very much a team approach. So I don't want to don't want to say it any other way. But it's, uh, you know, based on the idea that we are going to have a division, I think, between how the Bank of England is going to handle this, at least for now, versus uh, the Fed. Bank Canada and the ECB in particular, where a lot of our exposure is, no surprise, we've got a lot of exposure for U.S., Canada, and European duration. Um, we think those curves can uh, steepen out, while the U.K. curve might flatten on the idea that uh, the market might start to think that the U.K. is making a policy mistake, while the you know let's let's just take Canada, Europe, and, and the U.S. as as kind of the other the other basket at this point will hold off on getting aggressive on uh, on hiking uh, rates in the near term. And so that idea that that central banks are going to push back should all other things being equal um, uh, steepen out uh, steepen out the curve. So we've been uh, relatively um, we had relatively, Short positions in in the five year space uh, in in uh, Europe in the U.S. and, and Canada, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so so short so short being uh, uh, lower prices, higher yields, and we'd had that on depending on which region for you know so I would say you know a few a few weeks to uh, a number of months, and um, I think you know I think that most of that is is done at this point. Okay. So. So that so that so that you know move higher. I think that recalibration is essentially done, and I would expect that to kind of come back the other way. Uh, but we still like being uh, relatively short duration, particularly at the longer end of the curve, and I would say you know thirties, uh, particularly in the U.S. and and Canada, uh, with the expectation that uh, the Fed and, and Fed and the Bank of Canada are going to push back on the idea that the, the from the market that that uh, rates are going to move up quicker than where where maybe the market was a month ago or, or six weeks ago, and uh, we'll let inflation run a little bit, and that that curve will uh, the curve will uh, re uh, re steepen as opposed to uh, the kind of the flattening bias that we've had over the last 
um, couple of weeks. Uh, we generally are, are like we're relatively neutral on our, our dollar positions. I like um, I can see uh, still this uh, buy buy U.S. dollars on rallies. Um, sorry, buy buy on dips proposition uh, for for U.S. dollars kind of continuing here, uh, just as people are a little unsure how central banks are going to go. But um, generally, generally like U.S. dollars. Uh, still like a lot of the yield pickup in EM, um, particularly as risk continues to be quite strong. But I think you're seeing a bit of a bifurcation in some EM currencies and have the and have the uh, ability to continue to see that where you've got uh, uh, energy slash oil importers and exporters. And as oil stays high, and I think it will stay pretty high for a while here, we just had the Saudi oil minister basically say, we're not going to do anything. Um, so I, I think these EM economies that are big importers of oil, like India, uh, are going to be in some trouble. And some of the EM uh uh, exporters of, of energy, particularly oil, uh, are going to be in better shape. So to talk about EM as kind of one one broad uh, brush here, I think is maybe a little bit, uh, maybe not quite the way to look at it. And uh, energy importers and exporters is a pretty good way to do it. So our, our portfolio would reflect kind of what what I'm saying, uh, at least at least on the margin in terms of tilting it. We we you know we like uh, we like Russia a lot and. Uh, I wouldn't say we're maxed out, but at the same time, I would say we have a pretty oversized position in 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 Russia, and uh, it's done it's done quite well uh, given uh, given the move in energy and how and how the ruble has uh, performed against the U.S. dollar. So those are some of the things that uh, those are some of the things we're looking at. But it's it is a very pivotal uh, couple of weeks here in terms of um, these four or five uh, major central banks all all. Ready, ready to have a, a significant policy meeting, and uh, I think it's really going to set set the stage for, uh, frankly, not only the the rest of the year but early into Q1. So I think it's uh, I think it's a very interesting, I think it's a very interesting spot, and uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of good information in terms of uh, you know market intelligence. I think in the next couple of weeks in terms of how markets trade thereafter. Uh, so it'll be uh, something to watch for sure. Great. Well, let's uh, leave it there. Dustin, you've laid out the next couple of weeks what we should be watching for. So uh, I'm looking forward to reconnecting after that and getting your views from there. That sounds great. Thanks again. Take care. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 